We are here with Ambassador Graciano. He's a dear friend of mine. He's done quite a bit of work here on the border of Texas and Mexico. He has an incredible testimony. God has, has been using him in a powerful way in ministry, as well as how he brought him to the knowledge of him. And Graciano, it's good to have you here. Go ahead and share with the people. Well, I'm glad to be here with you, Travis, and be able to share the wonderful, uh, blessed, uh, undeserved that I feel what God has done in my life. I like to just to begin in the middle. I would say that on August 29th, 2005, my brother found me dead outside of my house. And he took me to the hospital. And when we were in the hospital, that's when they proclaimed me that I was dead. My brother started calling my brothers and sisters that told me that I had passed away. When the doctors came out and told them that I came back to life. But I had no hopes of living, that they needed to come everybody as quick as possible to see me. Because I wasn't, I could die any second, any moment. So they started calling all my brothers and sisters to come in. And my dad was in Mexico, who's been uh, serving God for all his life. And now with the Lord, but he would take us to church when we were kids. And I was part of the church, but never really in the church. My whole brothers were the same way. We were prodigal sons. And my dad... Still took us to church, and as soon as we got our age, we did our own thing. And part of doing our own thing led me to that time in the hospital. And I died five times total. Five times the doctor said that my I was dead. They went to the waiting room and said they had died. They did everything they could, and God just brought me back to the point that the doctor told me, "You are supposed to be dead." But the only reason you're alive that we can figure out is God must have a plan or purpose for you. When they told me that, my life changed because I knew I did not deserve to live because of the life that I lived. That's where I want to begin in the beginning. I grew up in the church, as I was saying, with my dad. He got away because he took me. Uh, I went and I heard about Jesus and God. I never paid attention. Like my all my brothers possibly were the same way because we all went to prodigals. As soon as we got the age that we didn't have to go to church with my dad, we did it. We did our own thing. And part of that old thing was the life of the wide path. We didn't go down the narrow. We didn't want to. We wanted the wide path. Everyone else was doing it. My brothers were doing it. So I began to do it. And before you knew it, uh, I was already in a county jail waiting to go to prison. The mother of my children had a daughter, and and then she was pregnant, about to give birth. I was in college jail, and she gave birth to my daughter, Gabriela. And when she came, they called me over the mic, hey, you want to tell you congratulations, your daughter was born. And I heard that over the mic in the county jail. I'm like, wow. Everybody was excited to tell me that. And then I felt excited, and I felt down, like, man, I'm here. I'm not there to hold her. I won't be there. So in that moment, I began to just write letters. Like, I don't know how long. I got 10 years in it. And I wasn't sure how long I was going to be there. So I began to write them letters. Christmas time. Birthday time. My brother was also in the county jail. And he also had a daughter born in the county jail. like me. But I was in prison already serving a 10-year sentence. And I get a letter from my brother. I was excited because you're not supposed to get letters from family members, but I got a letter from my brother. So I began to read it. How you doing, brother? I know what it's like to be a dad. Uh, but I heard they haven't given you this information, so I thought I knew I had to tell you. And he began to read and said, Julianne, my first daughter, was hit by a car and she had died. 
soon as I heard hit by a car and died, everything came out of me. Like, wow. Boom. I couldn't read the letter no more. My eyes were watery. Had someone else read it for me. And again, I just fell down again. My more came out of me. And he told me, you know what normally everybody does when they hear news like this, they go to his chaplet. So he took me to the guard and the guard, I, I really couldn't talk. I was really devastated. They took me to the chaplain and chaplain read the letter. He told me that my daughter was in heaven, that I would be able to see her one day if I received Jesus. I go, I never received Jesus. Do you want to receive Jesus to go to heaven? I go, yeah, I want to see my daughter again. I want to go to heaven. So I made a prayer, you know. Like I said, I went to church, heard about Jesus, never knew, really knew that I needed to receive Jesus. Maybe I did. Maybe they did tell me, but I never paid attention. So after I made that prayer, went back to my dorm. I felt a little better, but I still felt down. And I wrote a letter to my mother, my children. And when I got the letter back, it really brought me down even more. It brought this, like a hatred over my heart because she began to write in the letter that we knew how much you loved her. We were afraid on how you would react to the news. I found out in March she passed away in October. And I was like, I wrote her Christmas, her birthday, January 3rd, Valentine's, nothing. That's quite a bit of time. Yeah. And what you didn't know. And it really devastated me more. And my, my focus, my thinking was just, wasn't there. Wasn't there. I wasn't really myself anymore. I guess they knew too because they took me off the work, another work and just kept me in the dorms. They didn't want to kick me out, just cleaning up the dorms. Well, I did my time and, and all the letters that I wrote to them before that, I wanted to change. I wanted to change. But that hatred or monstrosity I had in my heart, I got out. Guess what happened? Boom. Went back to the same thing. So at this point in your life, do you consider yourself walking with Christ? No. No, I was not walking with Christ at that point in time because I didn't really. I just said the prayer because I wanted to see my daughter again. Right. I didn't do it because I repented or because I wanted forgiveness of my sins. Or the only reason I wanted to go to heaven is see my daughter. And I didn't really realize the importance of repentance, salvation, what Jesus really did for us on the cross. This is where the second part comes out. Because when I got out of prison, I went back to the same lifestyle. God blessed me with another daughter. I had two daughters. And I was there with her and raised her up. Stopped everything I was doing. Just to be there with her, and when she got a little couple months older, uh, I went back to drinking, went back to partying, and I got locked up again. Now I'm in county jail again. Two daughters again. This is where things started getting more devastated for me because my mind was just tricking me and killing me, telling me which of them are going to die, or are they both going to die? Will you ever see both of them again? And I just couldn't eat or sleep. And they moved me from one county jail to another county jail. And it was there in the other county jail where God had an encounter with me. And I was leaving. I saw a group of men getting into a van and leaving. And it looked, I just, I, I don't know why. I just paid attention to them. Like, okay. And later on that night, one of those men that was going on that van to a federal prison 
the van broke down, so they brought a car in, and they couldn't take everybody in. And he was one of them that came back. And he was put right next to me. And I knew what it was like to be in prison, what it was like to be in county jail. And he was, like, upset that he didn't go back to prison. And I go, why would you be upset? The more time you can spend in the county jail is better than being in the prison. He goes, no, let me share something with you. He began to share to me and me how he was on the run in Mexico. And while he was in Mexico, somebody spoke to him about Jesus, uh, about the love of God, how he died on the cross for our sins, to forgive us our sins, to lift up our burdens, to give all our cares upon him and to receive his love and his peace. And as I began to hear the gospel of Jesus, that he loved me through all my life, even when I wasn't there paying attention in church, he still loved me and he'd been waiting for me. And all I had to do is just realize that I was a sinner that needed forgiveness, repent from what I've done. And I've had that repentance, sadness in my heart. And I said, Lord, I'm here. And when I made that prayer, I felt the new me. I felt Christ in me because I felt a peace that really surpassed every understanding that I could understand. Because how could I feel this peace, this calm, this joy after that prayer? Like, wow. And I wanted to know more about Jesus. I wanted to know more about God. Why? How could I feel this way in the, in the county jail? Oh, oh it's, it dawned on me. So I just began to read the Bible. They took me to the county. He took me back to the prison. And he was excited to go back to prison because he wanted to go tell the Christian brothers where he was having church services because he was an American, but he knew Spanish. So he was able to have English brothers and Spanish service. He wanted to go tell them that how he came back on his bench warrant and they dropped all his other charges. And he wanted to go tell them how the answered a prayer was there. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. And I was excited with them. And I began to read the Bible and I went to prison and I understood his joy because I met other Christian brothers. I knew a little bit of Spanish and knew some English. And I began to feel the joy of the Lord with the brothers there. I was so filled with the joy of the Lord that another brother, he was telling me, I'm going to go share Christ with others. I go, let me go with you. We would go to people's dorms and tell them about Jesus if they needed prayer. Most of them didn't want to hear anything, and most of them wanted prayer for them and their families. So I was able to begin to serve Jesus there, sharing the gospel, praying for people, and my life began to change. And I remember many times how that peace that I felt when I was in the county jail when Christ came to me, I felt Christ with me. And there was times I'm in the chow hall, big line, waiting to go eat. I'm getting close. I'm seeing that food. I'm like, mmm. And all of a sudden, I feel that peace. And I'll get out of the child line. And I'll go walk the, walk the rec yard and say, Lord, here I am. Speak. And I would just open my Bible and began to read and feel the coolness of the day and just, and just read whatever the Lord wanted to teach me. And I would stay there. And, and many times that happened to me. Many times happened to me. I was getting ready to get out. I look at myself in the mirror. I never paid attention. I went and did my hygiene, never paid attention. But now I'm getting out, I'm paying the detail. I look in the mirror and I say, who's that skinny guy in the mirror? Because I was, I mean, I was a professional boxer before. I was like to be in shape, you know? And, and I look in the mirror 
I see nobody but bones, Kaiser. Because all the times I was fasting without wanting to fast because of the presence of God was more overwhelming than my own hunger. And I said to myself, it's time for me to begin to go and exercise. So I began to do push-ups, began to do exercise, a little bit less of church or, or being with the other brothers and the services. Uh, English brothers say, hey, brother, we didn't see you in the service today. I'll be there in mid-service. Or Spanish brothers come and tell me, we didn't see you in service. Oh, I'll be there in, in another service. And that was my breakdown. But I, was, I would go mid-service, then maybe go to Sunday service, but not mid-service. But it wasn't consistent no more. And it happens so easily, doesn't it? You make compromise in the slightest way and begin to... Yeah, because I began to compromise say, I'm okay. I'm okay. My relationship with God is okay. I know sufficient enough to not need to continue going to church or Bible studies or prayer service, which was a lie. So what would you tell those people listening today that are, are doing that very thing? I would say that's a lie. You know, we need the importance of the body. It wasn't just for me, but it was for my brother. Because together, we encourage each other. You know, Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us encourage one another. Let's stir one another up to do good. And I needed to be stirred up to do good. Because I was focusing more on me, me, me. And said, my spiritual life is okay, so I don't have to worry too much about my spiritual life because I need to focus on me. And I forgot about the spiritual man in me. And I realized, you know, the Bible teaches us there's the first man, Adam, which is the flesh, and the last Adam, which is the spirit, which is Christ, that we need to put Adam to dead and keep alive the spirit. At the same time, I could have taken care of my exercise and said, Okay, and but focus it. Even if I could have, I should have mixed up my spiritual with the exercise, but I didn't. I was focusing and seeing the transformation of my body, physical body, back to where it was, which I thought was more important. But I was deceiving myself. The bad part of it was this: I got moved from that prison, and I didn't have the accountability of my brothers. I was still going to church. I began going to, I wasn't just doing push-ups no more because where I was at now, they had weights. I would go lift up weights. And in there, everybody was talking about the past life of the things they did, the girls they've been with, the drugs they've done, the people they party with. And I'm hearing them and I'm remembering my life. Not only am I remembering it, I began to share a little bit of it. So what's happening? I'm awakening that that needs to be dead. And the Bible teaches us, don't be fooled. Ungodly chatter leads to more ungodliness. But I, if I would have been mixing my exercise with scripture, I would have known that. But I was just mixing my exercise, focusing the importance of my outer man, not my inner man that I was so involved in the outer man than the inner man that when I got out of prison, I was more on the other side than on this side. You, you nurtured. You nurtured that physical man. 
Yeah, so I want to tell you, if anybody's going through something like that, do not forget the importance of reading the Bible, applying the Bible, and being the Bible to the to yourself. First to yourself. We have to be scripture to ourselves so that we can be scripture to someone else. And that's what I was forgetting to do, in which I knew that helped me grow up. Because when I studied the scripture, and the Bible says, study to show yourself approval of God. But I was I was studying, but I wasn't applying anymore. I would still read my Bible every now and then, but I did it as to get it out of the way. I read scripture already. Even though I knew what it meant, I still had to apply it. I, need to, I still had to say, okay, I know what it says, but how can I apply it to my life today to prepare me for tomorrow or prepare me for the obstacles to come? But I would just read it and to read it. So where did that lead you? It led me back to the past again. I got out of prison and I didn't even get into a church, to be honest. I didn't go to a church. I got out and just read my Bible and thought I didn't need to go to church. But uh the life and my mindset was so much in the past that as soon as it presented itself, the temptation, I mean, it just followed it. When normally when I had temptation in the prison and I was where I needed to be at, I said, no, that's not part of me anymore. But now I'm like, like if it was part of me and it really wasn't, then it grew up in me. And let me tell you something, that I was a worse person that I was before, before I knew Christ, because I went back like a rebel. My life was doing things that I shouldn't have done, being involved with people that I shouldn't have been involved with. This is where things began to get very difficult. When I got, when I went to prison, the mother and my children, uh, left and married. I got out of prison. She gave me my daughters and she left to another city, another state, Ohio. And I was excited to get my daughters and she left, but, but I introduced her to a lifestyle of drugs and people. So I knew what she was doing, but I was excited to have my daughters, but I still had love for her and I wanted whole family. I said, I have my daughters. I'm excited. I know one day she'll come back. And uh, and one day she did. Almost two years later, she said she was tired of that life and she wanted to return. So she returned. My, my daughter was already older, probably eight or nine. And she began to be in basketball and we would go to her basketball games and practices. She would take my daughters to school and pick them up from school and it was like a family thing i stopped what i was doing but i didn't go to church i never thanked god for it i was just thankful that she was back i okay i'm starting to get that but one day i remember very clearly that one day she had a bunch of clothes and uh, all thrown in the laundry room but we didn't even have a washer and dryer but my neighbor wanted to sell me his washer and dryer so i said Today I'm gonna buy that washer dryer, put it over there and wash all her clothes and surprise her when she gets home. And I gave her a kiss. She looked at me and she knew something was up. I just gave her a kiss. She goes, What happened? What's up? Oh nothing. Just wanna tell you I love you. And she drove away and she still looked in the mirror like, What's up with you? What's going on? And I looked at her, looked at me through the review the side mirror. But little did I know that that was the last day that I would ever see her again. She didn't return home that night. 
She didn't go to basketball games. She didn't go to practices. She just never came back. And I went back to my lifestyle. And heart, heartbroken. And one day I got a call in August that they had found her body remains. And that night, that day, when she drove off, she was murdered. Well, the very same people in whom I introduced her to. And when I heard that, I was living in a mission like an hour away from where my daughters were at, at their grandma's house. And I drove over there as fast as I could because I knew the same person that called me were going to call her. And I went over there, grabbed my daughters, took them to my sister's house, went back to the mother's house. And they were there talking about, we have to go to church tomorrow. And in my mind, like, church? Why do you want to go to church? There's nothing can be done. Gone. God can't bring her back. And in my mindset is, you're going to church, and I'm driving back, picking my girls up, and I'm going home and buy me some to drink. Draw myself and my sorrows, because that's where I was at in my life. And that's what I did. I don't remember anything that night. I remember it was it was a Sunday night. So the, my girls were going to go to school the next day. So they went to Walmart and I was waiting for them to come back so I can open the gate and close the gate so they can come in. And I remember opening the gate and closing the gate. But I don't remember anything else after that. My brother is the one that tells me that he went outside that day, that night, that morning, because he was there with sell plates to workers in the morning. So they went looking for me to in my room to get the keys to my vehicle and I wasn't there. They went outside and had a big carport out there. And he said when he went out there, it was something like unusual to him because it was like dark, really dark and he couldn't see anything. So he just yelled out my name. JR, are you there? And he didn't hear anything. So he was about to turn away. And then he said, he heard a voice said, stop. He turned around, JR, that's you? I need the keys to your car. I can't find them. He didn't hear anything. And he turned around and he heard the word stop. And my brother's one of those that gets very angry real quick. He tells Philip, JR, stop messing around with me. I need the keys to your car. Where are you at? And when he didn't hear anything, he turned around a third time. And he heard the voice say, stop and listen. He, he felt those words. He turned around and he said that, he didn't say anything, and then he began to hear a gasping sound. And there I was. And he took a step. As soon as he took a step, it's like somebody that slipped the switch. He looked down, and he saw me there. I had foam coming out of my mouth. My body was swolled up. He went and got the keys from my, my pocket and went inside, woke up the people inside the house, put me in the back of my vehicle, and drove me as fast as he could to the hospital, passing red lights and everything. He got to the hospital, he took me in, and he was outside waiting, calling family members to tell them that I took me to the hospital. When the doctors came, tell them that I was dead. He walked away, and my brother sadly began to call my family again to tell them that I had died. When the doctor later on returned and said that your brother's alive, but he has no hopes of living, he can die any time. Tell your family to come as quick as they can. So he began to call my family members, my dad, who'd been serving to God all his life. He's now with the Lord, was in Mexico on a mission trip. They call him up and tell him that my brother calls him up and said, Junior's, um, Junior 
has dead and died, but he's alive and he has no hopes of living and you need to come back as quick as you can. And my dad told him, Junior's not going to die. Dad, he already died. He doesn't have any hopes. The doctors, the machines have him alive. He said, no, he shall not die, but live. He will not die. And my dad, my brother just said, okay, dad. And hung up and surely I died again in the hospital and came back to life again. And my dad called a evangelist who's also now with the Lord, went to the hospital. He had just come back on an evangelism mission trip, was back living probably over an hour and something drive from where I was at. His wife tells him, Brother Graciano called and said his son's in the hospital and you could go pray for him. He drove to where I was at and he began to tell me afterward that when he walked in to the hospital and they didn't want to let me in, let him into the room, my room. The doctors were there, just put their hands around their side, looking at me, shaking their head. And you can't come in here because this man's already dead. So he just took the Bible out of his side. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, let there be life in this man. Put his Bible back and walked away. And right before those do the doctors, I came back to life again. And I don't know which time it was, fourth, fifth time. But the doctors would told me afterwards that I should have been dead. They did nothing. They did all they could, but they could do nothing to bring me back to life. But those five times, God brought me back to life. And the reason he have done that is because he must have a plan and purpose for me. When I heard God had a plan and purpose for me, memories of my time in the county jail came back. And I began to tear up. Because I knew what it was to be in his presence. And I felt him again in my life there in the, in the hospital. And I know what I did. I know all those precious times I had with him. And walking around and reading the Bible in prison. And how I said I was going to serve him. And how I was going to do this and do that. And nothing was going to separate me from serving him. And I allowed me to separate me from, from serving him. And I went and did my own things and did things I shouldn't have done. And I knew I don't deserve to be alive and forgiven, but he never left me. He didn't leave me when I needed him the most in that county jail. He just came to me. And I was in that hospital bed and I needed him the most and he came to me. And from that moment on, I died to self. I said, Lord, Everything that had to be within me that needed to die has died. 